Yeah, I'm Jim Nolan. I'm a private investigator working for my dad's firm in Boston. Perhaps you've heard of dad, Abbott Nolan? A lot of his cases were written up in PI Magazine. He and Gladys, that's my mother, have been running this office since I was in high school. Now dad is missing. He hasn't returned from investigating the Laurel case up in Maine. I've come back to work with mom until he returns. He will return. Misfits Audio presents... I will find him. It's only a matter of time. Jim Nolan, Private Eye. Episode 1, The Case of the Careworn Candidate. We are in Boston, Massachusetts in October 1972. Richard Nixon is running for re-election. The Vietnam War goes on. And All in the Family is TV's highest-rated program. It is unseasonably cold in the hub this afternoon. In the offices of Nolan Investigations on Devonshire Street, Jim Nolan, 31, raises a glass of champagne for a toast. With him are his mother, Gladys, and his longtime girlfriend and would-be fiancé, Trudy Williams. To my dad, Albert. Today marks exactly three months since you vanished doing what you love, being a private investigator. All of us here know that we will one day see you again. In the meantime, we'll keep a candle in the window for you. I love you, Dad. Cheers. Cheers. That was lovely, Jim. Thank you, honey. And what did you think, Mom? It was very nice, as toasts go. From you... That's high praise. You know, I've never been very demonstrative, Jimmy. I'm just glad you're here, what with your father missing. I'm glad to help, but don't get too used to me being around. As soon as Dad returns, I'm going back to selling houses for Mr. Scoble. However, I don't think I've done too badly as a private investigator with no formal gumshoe training. You learned from the best. Fortunately, Albert was always writing down his methods and his cases. He's a stickler for detail. That gave you some wonderful material to learn from. Yes, it's a good thing he did that. It gave me a real jump stat. I also had all those issues of P.I. Magazine, where Mr. Stanton wrote articles on some of Dad's cases. They were like Holmes and Watson until Mr. Stanton passed on. I really felt Dad was looking over my shoulder when I reread those magazine articles. In a way, I think he was. Mr. Stanton's writing really drew attention to your father's skills and this agency. Well, since we all have a little wine left, here's another toast. (laughs) Another? Oh, I don't know if I should. To my lovely girlfriend, Trudy Williams. Oh, well, why not? Thank you for sticking by me during these rather turbulent months as I left the 9-to-5 job of a realtor and started this temporary gig. Your strength has been a godsend. That was sweet, honey. Thank you. But you know what I want to hear you say? Or should I say, ask? I know, Trude. We've been together for almost seven years. My girlfriends, Marge and Cindy, were with their guys for less time than that before, you know. Don't you think it's time to pop a certain question instead of a champagne cork? This is a private matter, Trude. Not in front of Mom. Oh, I'm fine with it. Just pretend I'm not here. Thanks for the help. Saved by the bell. I'll be in my office. 
Let's go out to dinner later, sweetie. Okay. Call me. Goodbye, Mrs. Norland. Goodbye, Trudy. Good afternoon, Nolan Investigations. Yes, he's available. May I say who's calling? One moment, please. Jim, Philip Osborne is on line one. Philip Osborne? I don't know any Philip Osborne, Mom. I think he's a new client. He sounds very refined. This is Nolan. May I help you? Mr. Nolan. My name is Philip Osborne. I'm the campaign manager for one of Boston's political candidates. Really? Which one? I'd rather not say it this time. Very well. For now. What can I do for you? Do you realize that election day is a week from tomorrow? I do. Please get to your point. For the past couple of months, my client has been receiving some... uh, How shall I say this? uh, Disturbing letters in the mail. Disturbing? In what way? The letters have been very blunt in indicating that he should drop out of the race. Some of the more recent ones have mentioned possible harm to him and his family if he does not drop out. Far be it for me to turn away business, Mr. Osborne, but if your client has been receiving threats in the mail, that's something the police should know about. I can't notify the authorities. Why not? Because I believe it's probable the police have something to do with these threats. It's late October, 1972, almost Halloween. The Boston elections are fast approaching. Some of the races are hotly contested, others are not. The biggest decision the voters must make is between incumbent President Richard Nixon and his Democratic challenger, George McGovern. While Jim Nolan has never delved into the political world very much, he is about to get dragged into a most peculiar campaign in... The Case of the Careworn Candidate Philip Osborne and I agreed to a meeting at my office. When he arrived, I saw that Mom was right. He was refined. He was on the tall side, impeccably dressed in a three-piece pinstripe suit and pricey-looking shoes. He was carrying a briefcase in his left hand. As Mom closed the door between my and her offices, I offered Osborne a seat. Thank you. You're welcome. Now, about the police department's possible connection to those threatening letters... Right to business. I like that in a man. Time is precious. It certainly is. I didn't say possible connection, Mr. Nolan. I said probable. Nolan Investigations has had some problem with the police over the years, but I can't bring myself to believe that they would threaten the life of a political candidate. I see no way to proceed unless I tell you the identity of my client. I am sure I can trust you to keep this information in the strictest confidence. Of course you can. Does the name Richard Landau mean anything to you? I think I've heard of him. He's running for city council or something, isn't he? Or something, yes. What interests us more here is his past. I can't help you there. About a dozen years ago, Landau was the editor of a local publication called The Informer. I've heard of it. One of those freebies, wasn't it? Yes, free, but with quite a dedicated readership. In response to some very ugly crimes that happened back then, Landau wrote some skating editorials criticizing what he deemed to be the police department's incompetence. It got pretty ugly for a while. You can't really think the PD has a 12-year-old grudge against Landau. 
I do. Mr. Osborne, I'm sure Lieutenant Carmichael and I can clear this whole thing. Certainly not. Why not? Isn't the whole idea to keep your candidate alive for election day? By speaking with Lieutenant Carmichael, I can find out what, if anything, is going on in two shakes. Of course that's the idea. However, I don't want your inquiries to alert the police to my suspicions. If they learn that we know what's going on, this matter could come to a head prematurely, and that might not be politically advantageous to Mr. Landau's campaign. Don't you want this matter to be brought to an end? Certainly, but on our terms. And what are those terms? That's why I need you. As you might imagine, this whole matter is very politically delicate and needs to be handled with kid gloves. We need the terms of this settlement to be safe for my client and his family and advantageous to the campaign. I'm afraid I don't have much political experience. You don't need it. That's my part of the equation. Your detective skills will provide the other part. Together, our skills will add up to the desired sum. Uh-huh. I brought along the letters I told you about. Is this all of them? Yes. Including the one we received yesterday, there have been nine letters. Hmm. I've arranged them in the order in which they arrived. Boston Postmark. And the envelopes are typewritten. No help there. All the letters are typewritten also. Strange. They all have a return address label on them. The same one. I don't think the numbers on Joy Street go that high. They don't. We checked. Why would someone sending a threatening letter bother adding a phony return address label? I wondered that also. Perhaps he thought that the absence of such a label would make the letter stand out from the crowd. Could be. <clears throat> September 9. Mr. Landau, you have angered many people in the city. We haven't forgotten about the informer. We don't want you in public office and your campaign. Well, it certainly is to the point. The reference to the informer only reinforces my suspicion about the police's involvement. That was the first letter? Yes. If you read the last one in the pile, uh, the one that arrived yesterday, you'll see how the tone gets more threatening. October 27. Landau, you are a stubborn man. You should have done what we told you to do. It would have been much safer for you and your family. You can see why we're worried. I can. What do you want me to do? I want you to find out who's behind these letters so Mr. Landau will be safe and free to run for statewide office without fear. But you need me to do it on your terms. Exactly. I want you to get to the bottom of this matter so it can be brought to a politically advantageous end. And you need this done before Election Day? Yes, a week from tomorrow. Can do, Mr. Nolan? Can do. May I keep the letters for now? Certainly. I'd like the chance to speak with Mr. Landau as soon as possible. That may be difficult. With the election so close, he has many public events lined up. Speeches, interviews, and such. Richard Landau is an extremely busy man. Too busy to spare a few minutes for the man who's trying to save his life? I will speak with him about it, but I can make no guarantees. Then that will have to do. Be sure to see Gladys on the way out. She'll give you a list of my fees and our contact information. Very good. Thank you for your time. I'll be in touch. What are you thinking about, Jimmy? How'd you know I was thinking? <laughs> I could smell the smoke out in my office. Ain't funny, McGee. What do you make of our new client? 
He's an odd duck, isn't he? Agreed. You were right about him being refined. He reeks of it. It sounds like you don't like him. I don't, but I don't have to like all my clients. Goodness knows Dad didn't. If they all had to pass that muster, we could just padlock these doors right now. It simply doesn't smell right, Mom. Osborne wants me to solve this case in a hurry, yet he wants to dictate how I conduct my investigation. What do you mean? Don't talk to the cops, he tells me. I don't know if you can speak with my boss, he says. I don't like my hands being tied. Dad didn't stand for in the Morgan case. You could drop him. You know as well as I do how much we need the money. So, what's next? I'm about to break a client's trust. Lieutenant Carmichael, good to see you again. Do you really expect me to believe that, kid? Nah, not really. (laughs) Good. Have a chair. How's business? Okay. Any word on the big guy? (sighs) Unfortunately not. What's it been? Two months? Three today. Jeez. Your dad's a good man, Jim. We sparred many times, but we had a professional respect for each other. He always spoke highly of you. Did he? That's nice to hear. I keep looking for new leads on the Laurel case, but it's colder than a January day in the North End. I simply can't figure out what we're missing. Neither can I. But one day, I will. What's on your mind, kid? May I close the door? Big time stuff. Yes, sir. Sure. Go ahead. So, what's the mystery? What do you know about Richard Landau? I've heard TV commercials for him. Isn't he up for some office next Tuesday? Yes, he is. Do you remember him from his days with the Informer newspaper? That rag? Is he the same guy who wrote those editorials? The one and only. God, that must have been ten years ago. Twelve. Landau caused a lot of hubbub back then. It's bad enough dealing with this city's crimes without having some know-it-all to point himself Mr. Wright. Lieutenant, don't take this the wrong way. I'm just asking. Do you think there's anyone around the department who might still hold a grudge against Landau for those editorials and be looking for a way to get back at him? Jim, 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 come on. What do you take us for? It's just a question. This isn't just some penny-any operation here. This is the Boston PD. I said it was just a question. The answer is no. Sure, Landau caused a lot of trouble back then. But that's not the way we operate here. There aren't many guys in the force now who were even around back then. Except for yours truly and some of the higher-ups. If you hadn't told me, I wouldn't have known that this Lando was the guy from 12 years ago. We've got too much going on right now to worry about 1960. said you were taking me out to dinner, honey. This wasn't what I had in mind. You don't like McDonald's? It's okay, but it's not exactly a five-star joint, is it? Point taken. Until I solve this new case, the expensive places will have to wait. Are you going to finish your fries? Jim! I'm hungry! (sighs) Help yourself. Thanks. I can't believe you use ketchup on your fries. What's wrong with that? No one does that. 
It's right on the verge of sacrilege. Love me, love my eccentricities. You don't have to use the ketchup. Believe me, I'm not going to. How's your mom doing? You saw her only this afternoon, Trude. I know, but it's so tough to tell with her. I know what you mean. She was never one to show her emotions very much, even when I was a kid. I guess she's holding up as well as can be expected. Do you have any idea where your dad might be? No, I wish I did. No one seems to have a clue. Not even Lieutenant Carmichael in the police department. Do you think he's still... Alive? I don't know. It's been three months since anyone's heard from him. He would have found a way to contact us. There are times, though I'll never tell Mom this, when I don't see how he could still be alive. I really hope I'm wrong, but I can't escape that twinge of doubt. I hope you're wrong. So do I. Are you going to eat your apple pie? Nolan Investigations. Mom, it's Jim. Yes, Jim. I didn't get the chance to ask how your talk with Lieutenant Carmichael went yesterday. Just as I thought it would. Sorry to hear that. Any news in the Landau case? Not a peep. Has Osborne called back about setting up a meeting with his boss? No, he hasn't. I didn't think he would have. Thanks. I'll be back to the office soon. I started back to the office. I wasn't at all surprised by what the lieutenant had said. The letters had to come from someone. Osborne's theory was far-fetched, but at least it was a theory. I took a different route back to the office than usual so I could think things over while I walked. That's when I saw it. There on the corner, in what I remember being a joke shop, was a campaign headquarters for Richard Landau. Big bold signs cluttered the windows. Elect Landau. Landau, he's our man. And Landau, keep Boston safe. A loudspeaker blared patriotic music at anyone who walked by. Red, white, and blue bunting was draped all over the windows and the threshold. I crossed the street and walked inside. A young kid, maybe 19 and with a tight crew cut, leaped out of his chair and bounded over to greet me like a happy puppy. His blue blazer was covered with Landau buttons. Good day, sir. My name is Frank Price, and I'm with the Richard Landau Election Committee. How may I help you today? Wow, you certainly have a lot of pep, Frank. Yes, sir, I do. That's because I believe in the man I'm volunteering for. Richard Landau was a man for Boston. Tough on crime. Good for the people. What issues concern you, sir? That's, uh, precisely why I'm here, Frank. I was hoping you'd have some pamphlets that I could take with me about Landau's positions on the issues. Ah, an undecided voter. You might say that. Very good. Right this way, sir. I think you'll find everything you're looking for on this table. Here we have pamphlets on Mr. Landau's positions on crimes, on city services, on... Hey, this is quality stuff. Good, heavy paper. Nice layout. Clean. Are you in the stationery business, Mr.? No, uh, Norris. No, I'm not. I'm in uh, import and export. Say, that's great. London, Ireland, Scotland... I'm going to go to all those places. I'm sure you will, Frank. Now, about these papers... Oh, yeah. You see, it's like this. Mr. Landau's brother-in-law is the owner of the Marigold Stationery and Office Supply Company over on Elm Street. He's given us some good discounts on paper, envelopes, pens, even these new electric typewriters. Say, these are nice machines. 
I've been looking for a good office supply company for my business, Frank. Would you mind if I pecked out a line or two on some of Marigold's paper so I can show my partner how the typeface looks? Uh, no. That's fine, Mr. Norris. Here's a clean sheet. Thank you. Now, what's that sentence Sister Loretta taught me? Oh, yeah. The quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Say, that looks nice. I think you'll like that. They make envelopes, too? Envelopes? The Marigold Company makes envelopes? Sure, they do. Could I see one? We'll be needing a lot of those. Import and export, you know. Sure. Here's one. Yes, they make good stuff. The Marigold Company on Elm, you said? Yes, across from the Woolworths. I know the place. Thanks for everything. I've got some reading to do on Landau's positions on the issues. And thanks to the lead on Marigold. If we buy from them, I'll be sure to mention your name. Thank you, Mr. Norris. And don't forget to vote for Mr. Landau next Tuesday. I left a very confused Frank Price standing at the door of the campaign office and walked back to Nolan Investigations. Something was percolating in my head, but it was still too hot to drink. I hurriedly opened the office door when I heard the commotion. There I found my mother holding court over five members of the fourth estate. Gentlemen, if you'll all simmer down, I'm sure Mr. Nolan will be back soon. What's going on here? I thought you were coming right back. I had a stop to make. What's up? These gentlemen have been waiting for you for the past 20 minutes. Are you Nolan? Yes. Jim Nolan. I'll handle this, boys. I'm Joe Childress of the Boston Examiner. I'm happy for you. My colleagues and I are here about a client of yours. This client has a name? Yeah, Richard Landau. Landau? Do you deny that he's a client of yours, Nolan? I'm neither denying it nor confirming it, Childress. Come on, sir. sir. Boys, boys, quiet down. The word around town is that Landau is in some pretty deep trouble because of some stuff he wrote about the police department a while back. You don't say. And that there are some people in Boston who are pretty anxious to have Landau not elected Tuesday, even if they have to get rough. That would be too bad. Uh, uh, come on. Uh, I mean, I mean Jesus, more than the election we're talking about here. Uh, you're not being any help, Mr. Nolan. Listen, guys. Even if Landau were a client of mine, and I'm saying if, you know I can't tell you. Didn't you ever hear of confidentiality? Yeah, for doctors, lawyers, and priests. Private investigators, too. No kidding. Now, gentlemen, if you'd be kind enough to get out of my office... I'm sure that there must be some major happening out on the city. You gotta get a Phew! Sorry about that, Mom. It's okay, Jimmy. It was kind of exciting, like in the movies. How did they know about Landau being a client? I don't know. They didn't say. No. Childress mentioned the word around town. Who knows besides us? Carmichael and Osborne. Carmichael wouldn't tell anyone. And neither would Osborne. Until he knew it would work to Landau's political advantage, of course. You're getting a notion, aren't you? That's the same look Albert would get. You have a hunch? Maybe, Mom. Maybe. Philip Osborne here. Jim Nolan, Mr. Osborne. Nolan, how goes the investigation? Pretty well. Good. I'm sorry, but I haven't been able to clear any time in Mr. Landau's schedule for you yet. That's quite all right. I was actually hoping that you might be able to come to my office today. I have a few questions before I can proceed any further, and I'd rather not ask them over the telephone. 
Uh, certainly, certainly. I don't want to hold things up. I'm afraid I'm only free during my lunch hour. I could be at your office around 12.30. Uh, will that do? That would be fine. Thanks. I'll see you then. Mom, get me Lieutenant Carmichael, please. I'm so glad to hear that you're making progress. That makes two of us. So, uh, what questions do you have? I'd like the chance to grab a little lunch on the way back to the office. Mr. Osborne, I actually don't have any questions for you. No? No. I asked you here because I've solved the case. So soon? It wasn't that difficult. Well, that's wonderful. I'm impressed. So, uh, who's the culprit? You are. <laughs> Me? You. Mr. Nolan, I see that my confidence in you was ill-founded. Let's go over the facts, Osborne. First, the letters. Have you ever heard of the Marigold Stationery and Office Supply Company on Elm Street? I can't say I have. It's a company run by Mr. Landau's brother-in-law. They only make and sell the best quality stationery, like these examples I picked up at one of Landau's campaign offices. You took those from one of our offices? No. The pamphlets and paper were given to me along with this envelope. The Marigold Company is so proud of their products that they put a Marigold watermark on their paper, as you can see on these position papers I picked up at the same office. They also put a very small, practically invisible, embossed Marigold in the upper left-hand corner of each envelope where, say, a return address label might go. It's very hard to see without a magnifying glass. An address label would cover the embossing on the front of the envelope, but you can still see it and feel it on the inside, small though it is. Are you suggesting that whoever sent those letters sent them from one of the campaign offices? I am. The letters don't have the Marigold Company watermark, though the envelopes they came in do have the embossed Marigold, which is covered by the Joy Street return address labels. It seems like whoever typed the letters did so on different paper, perhaps realizing that the watermark might be traceable, but thought that putting the return address label on the envelopes had sufficiently hidden the embossing. It almost did. Almost. I see. I think you mean that you didn't see. The watermark covers almost half of the sheet of paper, while the embossed marigold on the envelope is very small and with effort visible on the envelope's inside. You missed that, didn't you? Nolan? The marigold company also sells office equipment like electric typewriters. As a matter of fact, they provided a number of typewriters to Landau's campaign offices at reduced prices. By a strange coincidence, as you can see in this sheet I typed at the campaign office I visited, the typeface of the threatening letters exactly matches the typeface of the office's new electric typewriters. It does, doesn't it? And one other point. I found the press in my office earlier. They had all somehow heard that Landau was a client of mine and wanted to know about the threats to him and his family. So few people knew that Landau was a client that I came to the inevitable conclusion, after I ruled out everyone else, that you had told the press. Correct, Mr. Osborne? Correct, Mr. Nolan. You made all this up? The threats? <sighs> yes. Why? You're not in the political game, Nolan. I have worked for many, many candidates over my career. Local, state, even federal. One thing I've learned is that American voters love the underdog. 
If you can make your candidate an underdog in some way, it can only benefit you. So you created the threats to Landau as a ploy for votes? It seemed an obvious angle to play once I learned about his past with the Informer newspaper. The editorials against the police made the department the bully, and Landau the little guy the voters could root for. And Landau went along with this? He... doesn't know. You didn't tell him? You made up threats against him and his family, worried them sick, and you never told him what you were doing? Dick Landau isn't that good of an actor. He never could have pulled off the reactions he did if he knew those threats weren't true. He's also too honest of a man for such tricks, uh, even with the campaign being so tight. Uh, The voters would have seen right through such a ruse. For an honest man, he certainly picked a dishonest campaign manager. He has no blame there. I have played some dishonest cards for my clients over the years, but I have always covered myself. I came to Landau's campaign with only the best recommendations. And intentions. He knows nothing about what I've done for him. You mean to him? It was necessary. It's still dishonest. It's not dishonesty, Nolan. It's ambition. In the political game, winning is everything. You have to get your client's name out there as often as you can. Do you know how many boring stunts I've scheduled for Landau simply for the publicity? Deadly dull interviews, tedious newspaper features, even cutting ribbons at store openings. All for the publicity. And for someone like me, your next client only cares if your previous client won or lost. They don't care about my skill or my experience. Just did you win or lose. That's why I leaked your name to the press. For the publicity. That was a mistake. So it seems. It got us some publicity, though, and there's no such thing as bad publicity. There is now. My congratulations, Mr. Nolan. I never thought you would solve this case. Why not? (laughs) Well, look around you. This office is hardly top of the mark. Your clothing is atrocious, and... Osborne, you shouldn't pass judgment on things because they don't come up to your high standards. Through this office, my family has helped a lot of people, which I'm sure is more than can be said for you. Touché. I'll be expecting your bill. You won't get one. I beg your pardon. I don't want your money. It's dirty, and you can keep it. I regret your disapproval, but this is all part of the political game. It shouldn't be. Voters have a right to expect that their politicians and those who work for them are as honest as the day is long. When you and your kind pull stunts like this... It tarnishes the American political system. The people don't need or want that. My years of experience have shown me what the people need and want. This isn't a Norman Rockwell painting, you know. It's the real world. You're living in a fantasy land, Nolan. Perhaps. Just as long as it's not the same land you're living in. And now, Mr. Osborne, this nice man is Lieutenant Carmichael of the Boston Police Department. He's been listening to our entire conversation over the officer's intercom system. He has? He wants to have a little chat with you down at headquarters. I think you'll find that you really do have some problems with the police now. You should have seen the look on the lieutenant's face, Jimmy. As he listened to you and Osborne over the intercom, it was like a radio play. I must say, you led that pompous fool around like a dog on a leash. Thanks. The news should break about Osborne's arrest before too long. I wonder how Landau's campaign will do without a manager. We'll find out next Tuesday, won't we? Jimmy, you did a good job. I think Albert would be proud of you when he hears about this. Thanks, Mom. 
After all, I learn from the best. And so the case of the careworn candidate comes to a close. Nolan and Investigations has logged another successful case, though unfortunately not a paying one. What will future cases hold for Jim, his mother, Gladys, and his would-be fiance Trudy? Be sure to listen here and find out. Our special thanks to the voices of Russell Gold as Jim Nolan, Joyce Bender as Gladys Nolan, Katie Daynard as narrator. With special thanks to our voice talents of Tracy Hall as Trudy Williams, Paul Lavelle as Philip Osborne, Brian Bedard as Lieutenant Carmichael, Michael Liebman as Frank Price, John Specht as Joe Childress. Jim Nolan Private Eye was created by Mike Murphy and Arlene Osborne. The Case of the Careworn Candidate was written by Mike Murphy. Producer, Captain John Tadrzak. Mixer, John Specht. Editor, Arlene Osborne. Webmaster, April Sadowski. Music for this series was composed and performed by Vivian Dosko. Please hear more of her wonderful music at www.myspace.com slash Vivian Dosko. That's V-I-V-I-A-N-D-O-S-K-O-W. We would also like to thank Captain John Tadrzak of Misfits Audio for airing this show. Mike Murphy, the author of this story, gratefully acknowledges the continued help of Arlene Osborne in the betterment of his scripts. This production is for enjoyment purposes only. And I'm your announcer, Katie Daynard. This is an original production by Misfits Audio 2009.